Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Galatians chapter 6. I'm just going to start with verse 1 because it kind of, I want us to have the context for where we're going. We read this verse last week, verse 9, but I want to read the context for you, starting with verse 1. I'm reading out of the Christian Standard Bible. Brothers and sisters, if someone is overtaken in any wrongdoing, you who are spiritual restore such a person with a gentle heart, gentle spirit, watching out for yourselves so that you also won't be tempted. So he shows us the responsibility that we have to our fallen brethren. That's not a time to call people out and, 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 and pin them up on Facebook and, and, and re, you know, remove them from our lives. He says, reach out to them, restore a spirit of restoration. I believe that God wants to restore a spirit of restoration in the church today. There's enough divisiveness. There's enough drawing lines. And look, there are lines drawn. There absolutely are lines drawn. But sin is not one of them. When we see a fallen brother or a fallen sister, our heart should be to go to them and say, man, let's get it back. Let's get it right. God is a restorer. God is a redeemer. That is his heart and his children ought to share in his nature and in his likeness. We should have a desire to restore. But he does say, be careful for yourselves that you don't also become tempted. Carry one another's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. So right there, he's identifying, man, we've got burdens. There's there's no Christian, there's no believer that lives a life burdenless or burden-free. There are burdens, there's weights. For if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each person examine his own work. And then he can take pride in himself alone and not compare himself with someone else. For each person will have to carry his own load. Let the one who has taught the word share all his good things with the teacher. Don't be deceived. Watch this, here we go. God is not mocked. For whatever a person sows, he will also reap. Because the one who sows to his flesh will reap destruction from the flesh. But the one who sows to the spirit will reap eternal life from the spirit. And this is what he says in verse nine. And let us not get tired of doing good for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. And therefore, as we have opportunity, let us work for the good of all, especially for those who belong to the household of faith. Go back to verse nine real quick. Verse nine, let us not get tired of doing good for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. We can get tired doing the right thing. Weariness comes regardless of if we're doing good or bad. This is the first thing we have to understand about burdens and weariness and tiredness. Weariness is not an automatic indication I'm far from God and I've, I've fallen away or, or uh, that, that, that can be. But he's also saying, look, we've gotta be careful of not growing weary while doing good while contending for the faith, while standing strong, while remaining uh, in the fight, while continuing to run our race. Have you ever noticed that at the end uh, uh, of a championship game, 
let's just take basketball. That, that recently finished up the NBA Finals. The Los Angeles Lakers won, playing down in the little bubble down there in Orlando. Did you notice that, that the Lakers were sweating just as bad uh, as the, um, uh, who'd they play? Somebody help me. My gosh, this was a bad example to use. Who did they play? No, they didn't play the Rockets. Miami, Miami Heat. Who said Miami? You get 100, uh, 100 anchor faith points. They're not real, so you can have as many as you want. <laughs> Miami. They're both sweating. They both look wore out, but one won. One came out the winner and one came out a loser. One came out first place, one came out second place. It, it, the, the, the being battle tested doesn't mean we come out, you know, just all, uh, 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 you know, like we haven't done anything. There's going to be a, a, a fight. Paul uses these words. There's a race. There's a fight. The, the word talks much about endurance, perseverance, outlasting standing strong, staying in, not falling away. There's a lot talked about uh, uh, the, the long journey or long road ahead versus just short little bouts here and there. He says, don't grow weary, don't get tired of doing good. So we have to understand in the kingdom of God, there is a fight on our hands. There is a pressing. There is a persevering. There is a pushing through and a pushing in. There is a perseverance that is needed. How do we combat weariness in that fight? I can tell you this right now. It doesn't matter how strong you are. It doesn't matter how quick you are. It doesn't matter how experienced you are. You break down in the mind, everything else follows. When we break down in our mind, everything else follows. How we think is how we live. How we think is how we live. I mean, a lot of these athletes these days um, are doing just as much mental training as they are physical training. James, you served in the military. You were just gone overseas for over a year. I'm sure that they prepared you mentally for what you're doing just as much as they were preparing you physically. That there are, you, you train a soldier, that's what boot camp is all about. It doesn't matter how strong you are, how much you can bench, how quick you can run the 4-4, uh, you know, the, 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 whatever they call it. it. It doesn't matter what all that, all those stats don't mean nothing if you can't remain in the game mentally. If you were here Sunday, I talked to you about the Egyptians versus the Israelites and the Egyptians caught on to something. These guys are big. These guys are strong. These guys are mighty. These guys are great, both in quality and in quantity. They're going to overthrow us. They're going to overrule us. They're going to overrun us. So what'd they do? Where'd they attack? In the mind. In the mind. And they enslaved a victor. They enslaved. They had victors living like slaves. This is how the enemy works. Why? Because he knows he's defeated. He doesn't want you singing songs like what we just sang. He doesn't want you knowing you are who he says you are. He doesn't want you knowing you can have what he says you can have. He doesn't want you knowing what that you can do. I hate to say it this way, but there's a lot of messages that go out on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights that the enemy could care less about. In fact, he wants them preaching that stuff. 
Because it's not empowering the believer. It's not helping them reveal and discover uh, uh, who they really are in Christ and really moving them towards the solution. And there are, there are things that the enemy will let you believe and let you buy into as long as it doesn't threaten his mission and his kingdom. He sure will. Not everything is a threat to his mission. But man, when you get a hold of something that is. So I tell people, I said, you know, come to Anchor Faith Church. You'll hear a great word. And I don't say that boastfully or arrogantly. You'll hear the word preached uncompromised. We don't, we don't make any bones about it. We let the chips fall where they may. We preach the uncompromised word of God. But, but there's bullseyes that come with that. I had someone just, you know, several months ago tell me, man, why, why, I, I'm surprised your church isn't larger. They visited. I'm surprised you don't have more people attending your church. And then he visited, and he came a few weeks, and he said, I figured out why. <laughs> I figured out why. Because the enemy comes to steal the word of the kingdom. And so this weariness comes, even when we're doing right. Matthew chapter 24, look at this picture that Jesus gives. Matthew 24, end times. Y'all believe we're in the end times? I mean, we're closer now than ever before, right? (laughs) Every second that comes off the clock, we just keep on moving closer to it. (laughs) We're there. But the signs of the times, the things that we're literally seeing before our eyes, the, the, the things that are not just being accepted, but supported. That's the thing that's caught me the last few months. It's one thing to tolerate something and just allow it to take place. It's another to pull, put your full support behind it. And we're seeing it. We're seeing it. But in Matthew chapter 24, I want to begin with verse 3. This is what Jesus has to say for the end times. While he was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples approached him privately. This is not something he said in a large group to the masses. This is spoken privately with his followers, his disciples, those that are most committed, most most committed, most invested. Tell us, when will these things happen? What is the sign of your coming in the end of the age? And Jesus replied to them, watch out that no one deceives you. The first thing he warns them against is deception. It's the first thing he brings up. Deception. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. You are going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. And see that you are not alarmed because these things must take place, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise up against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these events are the beginning of labor pains. Beginning. He said, we're just getting started. Then they will hand you over to be persecuted. Remember, he's not talking to the masses. He's talking to those most invested. They will hand you over to be persecuted. They will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. And many will fall away, betray one another, and hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many because lawlessness will multiply. The love of many will grow cold. Look at that. Because lawlessness will multiply. Sin will abound. It will actually cause those that are locked in to fall away. Their love to grow cold, 
to wane, to dissipate, to become no more. But the one who what? The one who what? Endures to the end. Endures to the end. Will be saved. This is what he says in verse 14. That this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. Then the end will come. He's not talking about salvation in the sense of those who accept, you know, you'll be saved. He's talking about those that are saved, those that come into the family. If you will endure to the end, if you will remain steadfast, if you will not give in and give up. But man, giving up is always an option. Walking away is always on the table. Giving in will always be an option available to you. We have to learn how to combat that. We have to learn. Look, he's not trying to, 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 to give us a doom and gloom. I mean, I'm sure some of these disciples are right there thinking, you know, they're not going to say it out loud, but they're probably thinking, what did we just sign up for? Wish you would have said that before you said the, come and follow me and I will make you fishers of men. That sounded a little bit better than nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and, and mother will hate daughter and father will hate son. And, uh, you know, what, what is this mess we just signed up for, right? No, he's letting them know. If you endure to the end, you will be saved. What brings about the end? At the gospel of the kingdom. So what are we enduring? We're enduring preaching the gospel in the face of opposition. That's the endurance. The endurance is staying with the word even when everything else says come off. What am I enduring? What, do you, what does he mean endure? Does that, that mean run in place until Jesus comes? Uh, does, that, does, does that mean, you know, just keep going to church? And, and, and No, he's talking about the gospel of the kingdom being proclaimed. That's literally what is going to ignite and initiate the coming of Jesus Christ. When the gospel of the kingdom, look, He's very specific with which gospel is going to be proclaimed. Not just any gospel. The gospel of the kingdom. The kingdom of God. Lordship of Jesus Christ. Declaring that God is king and that we serve him uh, in, in his kingdom and that he has positioned us as kings on the earth to rule and reign and carry out the dominion, bring heaven to earth. Not, not, every, not, not every gospel has that in it. The enemy has worked hard to hide that. The enemy wants you to think that you got saved so you could go to heaven. That's what he wants you to believe. He wants you to believe that the very essence of Christianity is, is, is simply praying a prayer and then when I die and I leave this earth, regardless of the difference I make and regardless of the investment I make and regardless of what I bring from heaven, he has us more interested in going to heaven than bringing heaven. That's deception. That's the first thing he warned against. Do not be deceived. Do not buy into a message that looks like truth, sounds like truth, but is nowhere near truth. The truth that Jesus came to bring was the kingdom. That's all he talked about. That's all he talked about. Jesus never preached about heaven. Never once to the masses, 
talked about, you know, when you die, if you'll give your life to the Lord, you'll, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna go to heaven and live on golden streets with me and I'm building you a mansion, I'm working on it. I'm gonna go up there and, and prepare a place for you. We, we've twisted that. When he's talking about preparing, he's not even talking about mansions and homes. He's, he's not talking about physically building a house for you. We've bought into deception. The whole reason you were placed on this earth was to bring heaven here, not wait to go there. That's why Jesus, when he taught his disciples to pray, he said, pray this way, thy kingdom come and your will be done. Where? On earth as it is in heaven. As it is in heaven. Genesis chapter one, Jesus or God puts his mandate puts his purpose. We just talked about identity. He gave man his identity. You'll be made in my image and in my likeness. The second thing he gave him was his assignment. You don't put assignment before identity. Identity comes first. When I put my assignment before my identity, then I define who I am by what I do. But when my identity comes first, then I decide what I, 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 I am moved to what to do based on who I am. I'm made in his image, I'm made in his likeness. Why? Because I'm supposed to be doing what God does in heaven, I'm supposed to be doing here. He rules in heaven, I'm supposed to rule here. He has authority in heaven, we have authority on the earth. Doesn't mean I have authority to do whatever I want. I have to remain submitted to the king. As long as Adam and Eve remain submitted to the king in heaven, then their authority worked on the earth. When did they lose that authority? When they disobeyed the king. And they disobeyed the king. Why are we saying this? Because the mission today, reason why a lot of believers are growing weary is because you can get tired doing the wrong thing. I think one of Miles Moreau's quotes is the, 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 the greatest disaster is being busy but not effective. Accomplishing the wrong assignment finding success in the wrong areas. No, our mission is to bring heaven to earth. That's why we're here. That's the gospel of the kingdom. So it's all that Jesus talked about. The first thing he said was repent, change your thinking, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. I'm bringing a new way of doing things. I'm gonna show you how it's supposed to be done. I'm gonna show you what my father, when God, God did not change his plan in Genesis chapter three when man sinned. I've heard, I've heard people literally say that. God had a plan B. Jesus was plan B. G, G, God had a plan B. And God, God knew that man was gonna mess up plan A, so God came up. No, 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 no. That's not what God, man, we do that. When stuff breaks, we abandon it and go get a new one. Come on. That's what man does. God doesn't work that way. When something breaks, God restores it and sets it back the way it was supposed to be. It's called the original intent. And so God has from Genesis 3 on saying, I know how to get this back the way it was supposed to be. I know how to make this work. I know how to fix this, restore this, redeem this. And you are the redeemed. You are the restored. You are the renewed. You are Genesis 126 all over again. 
the way it was supposed to be. Jesus wasn't, God, God didn't say, well, man, that, that didn't go as planned. It took him a chapter and a half to mess up my stuff. That was quick. Well, let's just bring them all back to heaven. Just go down there, Jesus, get them, you know, save them, get them all back up here. Nope. Nope. Not God, that's not God's plan. That wasn't his idea. He said, how, 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 how do we get the kingdom back down there? How do we get the kingdom in the earth again? Well, the kingdom has to come through a righteous agent. And there, oh, they've got sin in them now. They've got sin. Okay, well, I could go down there. I don't, I'm, I'm unblemished. I, I, I haven't sinned. Well, no, I can't go down there because I told them, let man have dominion. So if I go down there, I'm not a man. God is spirit. We worship him in spirit and truth. So how, how do we get man to redeem man? How do we get God to redeem man? But God can't get in. Wait a minute. What if I put myself in flesh? Now, there we go. Because see, God's not going to go back on his word. If he lies about one thing, he's lied about all of it. If he breaks one promise, he breaks them all. So he's like, well, I'm, I'm bound by my word. Only God can save man. He's the only unblemished one. But what if God takes on the form of flesh and dwells among us? There we go. In Jesus the unblemished lamb. No spot or wrinkle. Falsely accused. Laid down his life for you. Not so that you could go to heaven, but that sin could come out of you so he could place his spirit back in you and you could do the mission again. Are y'all getting this? I'm trying to make it clear for you. Because when, we, when we're working so hard for the wrong mission, we're going to get the wrong result. And you're going to be wore out. And you're going to be tired. And the weariness is going to come on. But man, when you can remind yourself, no, I'm, I'm working for the mission that God's called me. I, I'm doing the, 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 the kingdom work. I'm doing the work of the kingdom. That the king is reigning and he's reigning through me. And that's why we can sing songs like, I am who you say, you are for me, not against me. I'm the head and I'm the tail, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I have confidence now and I have assurance now. He said, we've been brought near. But he's letting them know these things are gonna happen. But they shouldn't move you. Shouldn't grow tired, shouldn't grow weary. Now there will be burdens, yes. There will be pressures, yes, but how do we not grow weary and tired with the burden? How do we combat this? Look at this in Jude. Jude, one chapter. That's all there is. Jude chapter one, short and sweet. Jude chapter one. Look at verse three. Look at verse three. 
Man. Look, when revelation comes, it always brings confrontation. It always brings confrontation. It confronts what I thought I knew. It confronts what was there before. It'll challenge my experiences. It'll challenge my religious thinking, denominational thinking, grandma's thinking, my pastor's thinking. It'll, it'll challenge all that mess. But at the end of the day, when the revelation comes, it comes to set you free. Because Jesus said the truth is what will set you free. The truth. Not praying a prayer of salvation. He says it's the truth that will set you free. We can still remain bound even though we have confessed Jesus as Lord. But now I need to grow hungry for revelation. I need to grow hungry for the revealed plan of God, the revealed word of God, and the revealed will of God in my life. And so if anything that I just said challenges or confronts anything in you, go to the word. Go to the word. The word is the source. The word is the only source. Go to the word. It will back up everything I just told you. It will back up everything I just said. I'm not saying you're not going to go to heaven. I'm not saying, you know, forget the whole heaven stuff. You're just going to. But let me ask you one question. If Adam and Eve had never sinned, where would they be today? (laughs) On, On the earth. Adam and Eve weren't walking around saying, I wonder when Jesus is coming. That, that, that day, coming through the clouds. They weren't looking for, when are we getting raptured? When are we getting out of here? The only thing they were thinking about was, what are we supposed to do today, Father? What do we Guard, protect, keep, rule, reign. Exercise dominion and authority on the earth. And like I said, God's mission hasn't changed because man fell. God restored it. Now, yes, we'll go to heaven. When you leave this earth, the Bible says to be absent from the body, present with the Lord. We'll be with him in heaven, be with him in paradise. Yes, but while you're here on this earth, you've got a mission. You've got work to do. There's a reason why you're breathing. There's a reason why you're living. There's a reason why you have what you have, the purpose, the influence, the reputation. Everything that God has given you is designed so you can exercise your kingdom purpose, all of it. And so I hope that 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 revelation sets you free because truth sets you free. Jude chapter 1, verse 3. Dear friends, although I was eager to write you about the salvation we share, I found it necessary to write, appealing to you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints once for all. Now look, he tells you my original intention in writing you was to talk of the joy of our salvation and what we've received. I was eager to write you about the salvation we share, but I found it necessary to write, appealing to you to contend for the faith 
that was delivered to the saints once and for all to wage battle on behalf of the true faith based on God's word. He right there identifies that to stand for your faith and to stand for what we know the word says and to stand for what we believe in means that we're gonna be waging war that, and to wage war means there has to be an enemy. This is all implied. It's, it's not a war if we all agree. <laughs> it's not a war if he's in opposition. But he's letting you know to stand for this means you're gonna have to stand against something else. When you stand for something, you inherently stand against something. And so he's letting us know there is a contention for the faith in the last days. There is a need to stand for what the word, and this is where the weariness tries to grow. And and, and I'm telling you right now, everything that is around us right now, I believe 100% wholeheartedly right now, the enemy is working to wear you out and it's happening it's happening you're just getting worn out it's not that you don't believe what the word says it's not that you don't you're falling away from your faith or you're backsliding or but it's it's creating an, a, a mental weariness in our thinking and in our psyche and 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 you wake up the next morning just wondering what's the next thing i'm going to hear about today I was I was going through my 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 Instagram profile. I don't I don't use it a whole lot, so it didn't take me long to get back to about a year ago. And I saw a bunch of videos of Camden shooting basketball and and playing baseball, and then uh, a bunch of pictures of Austin when he was born, and and happy birthday to my wife, and happy anniversary. I mean, those are really the only things I I use it for. It doesn't I don't have pictures in there of what I was eating that day. Uh, I'm not that interesting. <laughs> no cat videos, no memes. I, I just, I, I don't do that kind of stuff. So it didn't take me long to get back to about a year ago. And there was a hurricane. Uh, Dorian or Doria or Dora. No, that's not, that's a kid's show. Dor- Y'all already know what I'm talking about? And, and I, I posted this picture. This was about a year ago, um, maybe October, September, somewhere in there. It was in the fall of last year, and I had posted this picture. It was a news report. I literally screenshotted a news report, and it showed the state of Florida, and it showed all these lines, and the headline said, um, you know, the, the latest tracking of Dorian. And it's like 18 different color lines squiggle. It looked like a kid had gotten a hold of a map and scribbled all over it. And I had put in the little caption thing, I said, people will believe this stuff, but when I preach, they will have a hard time believing what I say. As crazy as that post was, as, as crazy as that news report was, people will buy that hook, line, and sinker, man. Must be true, it's on CNN. They must know what they're talking about, it's on Fox News. But then a preacher gets up and preaches you the word of God. By his stripes, you were healed, past tense. I don't know about that, preacher. My grandma died of cancer and she loved the Lord. But that mess, 
It's designed to wear you out. It's, it's designed to confuse and cloud. It, it, it's, it's designed to, I don't even know the right word, devalidate, unvalidate, all that God is trying. God's word is consistent. God's word is a sure foundation. The Bible says that the church is supposed to be a pillar and support of truth. And last time I checked, pillars and support don't do this. That's not a very good, you, you got a pillar on your house that's doing that, fix it quick. The whole thing's coming down. We are a pillar in support of truth. But when we're like this, he's saying contend for the faith. That means to remain in the faith. Stand for the faith. Stand against anything that would try to come against the faith. And the the enemy works in confusion. The enemy works in confusion. That's where he operates. I, I, I have found that where, where people are in deception, they were first in confusion. Deception is the result of confusion. The first level of deception is confusion. You know where confusion comes from? Too many voices. Too many voices. Confusion is always the result of too many voices. Well, you know, you, you got to be in the know. You got to know what's going on in society. Not from people that are only trying to twist and manipulate what's going on in society. Go out your front door and find out what's going on in society. We've, we've, we've completely lost that concept that you can go find out. You can go find out what the, 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 the tone of our nation. Don't, don't buy the lie from people that are only pushing certain agendas and rhetoric. And I'm not just talking in politics. I'm talking about in life. They want us to buy into and believe certain things and accept certain things. And eventually we support those things that we once tolerated, that we once allowed, that we once just, oh, you know, there's just nothing I can do about it. Or it's no big deal. Or it's not that, that's not that big of a problem. Before you know it, we're voting for it. We're supporting it. We're watching it. I said a few weeks ago, commercials these days, they're not just pushing products. They're pushing principles. They're not just trying to get you to get a cell phone plan. They're trying to get you to buy into same-sex marriage. It's not about the cell phone plan anymore. They're trying to get you to buy into the idea, this is normal. It's okay. It's not going to affect me. Confusion is a result of too many voices. And when we get confused... We become open to deception. He says, contend for the faith. Remain fixed. Fight for and fight against. I I was just gonna talk to you about your salvation that we share, but now I found it necessary. I'm appealing to you to contend for the faith that was delivered to the saints. Once and for all, he says, it doesn't change. God, the, the faith, the truth, it, it, it's, not a, it's, it's not a moving target. It's in one place. 
The position that God takes in his word is still the position he takes today. Still the position he takes today. He has not changed. Not one inch. To the left or to the right. He hasn't gone anywhere. You want to know what God thinks about something? And this is what I tell people. This is what my pastor, this is what my pastor has said for so long. When somebody asks you, where do you stand on this? Or where do you stand on that? What's your opinion on this? Or what do you think about this? They they, they word it that way. As to appeal to your opinion, like they really care. They only value your opinion as long as it's in agreement with theirs, right? Okay, y'all figured that one out. This is what you say. I don't have an opinion on the matter. I can tell you what my God thinks. I can tell you what my king says. It's in his word. It's not a moving target. God hasn't changed position. God hasn't changed one iota. And people will say, well, you, you, you gotta be in the know or you're, you're tone deaf if you, if you say certain things. You're absolutely right, I'm tone deaf. I don't need to keep my ear to the ground of the world. I, I remember just a few weeks ago, just we, we were at Call to Arms in, in Oklahoma at a men's conference in Oklahoma. And, and, and Pastor Darrell Huffman, many of you know him. He's been here several times. And um, out of Huntington, West Virginia, and he was telling me, he says, I never let the news dictate what I preach. But he said one, one of the saddest things that he has seen, because he, he's now traveling ministering. He's now traveling ministering. He said, I picked a great year to go into traveling ministry. Nobody's even got church open. <laughs> I said, you can come in anytime you want. We are wide open. And um, uh, he, he said one of the saddest things that I've seen is pastors that are only responding to what people are already hearing on the news Monday through Friday. He said, why would I have them come into my church on Sunday morning and just be talking about the latest thing that happened? He said, that's not being led by the Spirit. That's being led by the news. We, we, look, you and I, we're not called to respond to every little thing that happens in this world. You don't have to post about it. You don't have to share a, a meme about it. You don't have to come into agreement or disagreement with it. You don't have to respond. Just show the love of God. Just preach the kingdom. It's the, it's the gospel of the kingdom that brings the end. You know, the Great Commission works no matter what. It always works. Making disciples of every nation. That works whether there's tragedy or whether we're doing great. That that doesn't matter who's president, we preach the gospel. It doesn't matter what is being legislated, we preach the gospel. It doesn't matter what's going on in the world, we preach the gospel. It doesn't matter what's happening day to day, we preach the gospel. It always works. It will always work. Walking in love always works. Living by faith and not by sight always works, good or bad. So we jump down here in Jude. We want to jump down to verse 20, wrapping this up. Are y'all getting something tonight? Is this good? Man, I, I just, look, I believe in finishing strong. If you've been here for any length of time at Anchor Faith Church, you know we, 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 we don't take a day off. We don't take a week off. We don't take time off. 
we'll get into rest next week. I I believe we're going to minister on rest, what the rest of the Lord looks like. But tonight I need to show you that that there is always going to be a weariness and a heaviness. And, And we do so many things in the natural to try to relieve that, that, that weariness. But I want to show you through God's word how we combat weariness. Look what he says in verse 20. But you, dear friends, that means believers, that's you and I, okay? As you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, I'm going to stop right there for just a second. As you build yourselves up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit, how are you going to contend for the faith if you're not built up in the faith? You, dear friends, build yourselves. Who's the responsibility on? You, us, to build ourselves. I mean, we're thankful for the avenues and ways that, that, that others can pour into us and others can help, but never leave your building up and your development at the mercy of someone else. Never. We always have the responsibility of building ourselves up. Why? Because I got to contend. And I can't contend if I'm not built up. I can't get on the court and play if I haven't trained. If I haven't practiced, put in the work. Behind the scenes where no one watches. Fans don't come up to watch a practice. They come to watch the game. Watch the championship. Watch the, watch the trophy be handed out. Watch the rings to be given away. They don't come to the practices, but you don't get to that point if we don't train in the practice, train off the radar. Build yourselves up, he says, by praying in the Holy Spirit. I'm just going to stop right there. I'm just going to ask you, have you been building yourselves up through this season? That's rhetorical. That's that's in you. How much time have you been working on building yourself up? Yeah, we're talking about combating weariness. Combating weariness, it's not taking a day off and taking a vacation. And He says, you want to know a great way of building yourself up in the most holy faith? Praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Holy Spirit. That builds you up. I get stronger. That's a workout. What's his answer for combating weariness? Work out. (laughs) Build yourself up. Develop. Grow. So right there he says, you, dear friends, build yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God. Have you noticed how much is going on right now that wants to move us as believers to, to I mean, look, there, there are things that are taking place that, that you just hate. 
You hate to see it. You hate to see what it's doing to people. You hate to see the mess that it's putting people in. You hate to see what it's doing to their marriages and their lives and their families and their children and their ministries and their jobs. And You just, you hate it. But we cannot allow a hate of sin to come over into a hate of the sinner. There is a love we have to maintain. There is a love walk we have to maintain. And if we get out of love, we compromise our ability to contend for the faith. If we get out of walking in love, now love doesn't mean you just tolerate whatever. Love a lot of times means we're done. You're not receiving from me anymore. You're not, you're not, you're not uh, drawing. You're, you're not responding. Love will cut off. But love is also patient. Love is kind. Love doesn't bring up past wrongs. Love doesn't remind people of their failures and their shortcomings. Love thinks and believes the best of people even when they produce the worst. 1 Corinthians 13, the love of God. The love of God will actually call out and say, man, you're missing it. Come back to Christ. It will restore a brother that's fallen in sin. Not say, oh man, it's okay, God loves you. Love will correct and straighten out and, and get back into alignment the way it's ought to be. But he says, keep yourselves. What's that mean? Something's trying to push me out. Something's trying to push me off of the love of God. I gotta keep myself. Why? So I can contend for the faith. This all goes back to what he said in verse three. The whole chapter he wrote hinges on what he said. I meant to write to you about your salvation. But I instead felt like I need to encourage you and appeal to you to, to, and, and urge you to contend for the faith. And now he's given them some solution. Pray in the Holy Spirit and build yourself up, number one. Number two, keep yourself in the love of God. It's going to try hard to push you off. It's going to try to get you over into hate. It's going to try to get you over and out of the love of God. But if you can't walk in the love of God, your faith won't work. Your fight won't work. You'll give in to pressures. He said, you'll be, you'll be known as my disciples because of your love for one another. Waiting expectantly for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ for eternal life. Verse 22, have mercy on those who waver. Have mercy on those who waver, he says. Those that will fall away, those that will deny, those that, that, that might come short. Have mercy on them. Save others by snatching them from the fire. He's, he's giving you the response to the weariness, to the, to the pressures. How do you contend for the faith? Save others by snatching them from the fire. Have mercies on others, but with fear, hating even the garment defiled by the flesh. This is what he said in verse 24. Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory without blemish and with great joy. Do you want to stand in the presence of your king without blemish and with great joy? Not weary and worn out, crawling to the finish line. Oh, I just barely made it. I'm so glad I made it to the, I'm so glad it's over. No, standing before him, I'm confident. I'm assured. I didn't deny you. I contend for the faith. I fought the fight. I ran the race. I stayed the course. 
And I can stand before you with confidence, with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, and power, and authority before all time, now and forever. We're going to contend for the faith. You, 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 you have to just come to that conclusion. I'm going to contend. I'm going to contend for the faith. I'm not going to allow weariness, exhaustion, becoming fragmented in my mind, becoming so wore out by what's happening that I can't even, I heard someone say a while back, the one with hope has the greatest power in the room. The one that can bring hope to a situation, you have the greatest leverage. The church is not to be a beacon of hopelessness. The church is not, is not called in these last days to highlight everything that's wrong, everything that's corrupt, everything. We, we, we will call it out, but only to point people to Jesus. Only to be the light in the midst of darkness. And when, when we give in to weariness, when we give in to exhaustion, when we allow ourselves to be consumed by everything that's happening around us, then we can't influence what's happening around us. We can't be a light in the midst of darkness. We're grumpy. Come on, let's just tell it like it is. We become grumpy. We become mean. You ever met some mean Christians? They love the Lord, but they don't love his people. It's just the truth. They get, you can tell they're just exhausted. When I see believers like that, I just pray for them. I just say, God, just show them your, your grace. Empower them to continue to fight. I mean, even, even Paul said, to go on to be with the Lord, yeah, that'd be greater. Yeah, that would be awesome. To be rid of the tyranny, to be rid of the opposition and never knowing when my last day might be. But he said, for your sakes, I remain. That's, that's amazing. That's, that's some contending, isn't it? To say, man, it, it would be easy to go on. It'd be easy just to have my eyes toward heaven. One day when we're all with Jesus, what a glorious day that will be. But yet I'm gonna remain focused on what I'm called to do here in the earth. And until my time is up and until my mission is accomplished and until my work is done, I'm going to keep contending. I'm going to keep fighting. I'm not going to become weary and exhausted and fragmented and broken and, and allow the, 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 the very things that we're supposed to be changing, they end up impacting us. No, we got to contend. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.